One thing that we really do a lot of is that we, we sort of think of the brand as an influencer, not as a company. Welcome to Shopify Masters, the weekly podcast brought to you by Shopify, your companion for starting and building a business. I'm Shuang Esther Shan, and this week we are chatting with Camille and Daniel Brinch, the founders behind Danish jewelry brand Camille Brinch. In this episode, we get to learn how the siblings have turned this handmade craft into a seven-figure business, how the brand acts more like an influencer rather than a company and how they are running Black Friday sales without ever discounting. Before our show, I wanted to tell you about our free store setup guide. If you are new to Shopify in the process of setting up your store or wanting to fine tune it even more, our team has created a free step-by-step guide to teach you how to make your ideal store a reality. For the complete store setup guide, visit shopify.com guide. Now onto our show. Scandinavian style seems to influence much of our collective fashion aesthetic. One Danish jewelry brand is leaving its mark selling directly to consumers. Camille Brinch and her brother Daniel are the complementary duo behind her namesake jewelry brand. As a creative craft maker, Camille fell in love with making her own jewelry when she was around 21 years old and pleaded to her brother Daniel to join her and turn this passion into a business. Daniel was initially hesitant to join Camille, but after seeing her impact, he quit his job to work alongside Camille. Together, the siblings are now running a seven-figure business and have won multiple awards. The fun story is that so I was in the U.S. running this entrepreneurial life. I was in a tech startup. I wanted to be like big over there. And then one day Camille called me and she was like, Daniel, I want to start this company. And I was like, no, you're not. You're just finishing school. Maybe you should go to the university instead. And I had no expectations of her being able to do it. And she was like, I want to create this jewelry company. You're going to help me create a website. You're going to do the marketing. And I was like, hell no, I'm not going to do anything. I, I told her, go to YouTube, put in Shopify and call this company called PensoPay, who's going to help you with the payment. And then you have to figure it out for yourself. Because if I help you too much now, you're not going to be able to handle it if it becomes a success. And then I hung up. And I, I didn't really motivate her much back then. Yeah, and that phone call didn't go as I planned. <laughs> it should, it should go. So, um, but yeah, my motivation didn't stop there. I was still really passionate to start this business. Actually, when I started it, I wasn't like thinking of it as a big business. I just want to make jewelry. I want to use my hands to make these ideas that I have in my head. I actually took a jewelry course. It was only like four Wednesdays, just the total basics because yeah, it was the only place I have learned to make jewelries. And I actually brought my mother just for fun so we can have some mother-daughter time. Um, but it just, I, I could just feel that this was what I want to do. I was so passionate about it. Quickly, I got my parents uh, to say yes, so I could have, uh, have their shed in their backyard. So where I could create this workspace. And I started with like no money. So I had to build everything myself. And actually my uncle, he built the some of the tools and stuff like that. It was really like, uh, really like the basics I had. Um, and I, 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 because I didn't have no money when I started, I thought, how can I like, uh, 
how can I earn some more money to buy some more material also? Because when I started, I, I, I used sterling silver as I, I'm doing today to make my jewelry of. So it was basically like I bought like five centimeters of sterling silver, made one, one ring, and then I came like, oh, I have to sell it somewhere. <laughs> um, and at that time I had my Instagram because I think... Um, have used Instagram for for yeah some years now and it has always been a big inspiration for me. I quickly posted pictures and videos of me from the workspace um, and got some followers. And then after the, the call with Daniel, I uh, I YouTube <laughs> Shopify and how to make my own webshop. And I actually found it really fun to make the webshop in Shopify also because it was so it was easy. And also I haven't tried it before, so yeah, I used a lot of hours, but it was a big learning for me to to build the webshop. And therefore I could yeah have some some orders and slowly I was just buying more silver, making two rings, buying more silver again, making three rings. And and that just started the business, I guess. And from then it just scaled a lot. Nice. When I think about fashion and especially Scandinavia, it, it's always got such a cool aesthetic. And also with the jewelry market, there's already a lot of established brands. But what is it about this stream that made you stay motivated and continue with the business? Yeah, I think for me, all all the time still today, the most important thing for me is not to have like a successful a business where we earn a lot of money not at all for me it's really about the the jewelry it's about me having all these ideas in my head that I can't stop I'm just constantly thinking about something and I have to get them through my fingers in the workspace and just and just also be able to create something physical that people can wear is like I love it so much that it's the most passionate, yeah, passionate thing um, for me. So I think that, yeah, it makes me want to do it more also. And I think that, yeah, of course, there is a lot of other jewelry company in the market. and But I try not to think of, at them that much, I, I guess. I try to like go my own way. And for me, it's so important that to build a strong brand, and not focusing that much on the money and like so on, just to build a brand that I like and that I can be like happy for. I think that it's what's motivating me. Yeah. And I think that's, that's good because I think a lot of the times you need that drive and kind of that tunnel vision to keep on going forward. So for Daniel, at what point did you finally convince yourself and you feel confident to leave behind your career in the States to join your sister to start this company? So I, I don't think she realizes how much energy and time I put into it from the beginning. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't tell her at all. And you know, I helped her with the marketing and stuff like that. And I told her, I want to spend this much money each week on ads. And she was like, no, you're wasting money. She didn't, at that point, she didn't get that it was an investment, you know, to get buyers. Um, and I just kept going, you know, because I saw what really made it trigger for me was after just six months, I, I was following the Shopify every day. I was looking at the numbers, right? It was very subtle in the beginning. Uh, but in June uh, 17, you know, she had, she'd hit a milestone, like a hundred thousand kroner uh, in revenue, which is like uh, $16,000 in one month. 
after just six months. And so I flew back home at our parents' house. You know, I spoke and my father spoke. We popped a champagne and I was crying. And, you know, it was really emotional. And I was just so, so proud of my sister at that point, right? Um, and from then on, it just, you know, kept going and kept going. In the first year, uh, she did $300,000 in revenue. Um, and then in year two, she did $1.3 million in revenue. And, and, and at that point, I probably was working full-time next to my other job. Uh, she didn't know, she didn't want to pay me, you know, but I, I just couldn't stop doing it. Um, and I learned a lot of stuff in the U.S. that we, we sort of like started to implement in this company. One thing that we really do a lot of is that we, we sort of think of the brand as an influencer, not as a company. So Camille on Instagram is more of like an influencer in the style that she's, she's doing everything. She wants to inspire people, not just tell people to buy stuff. Um, and we are building this whole like one-to-one universe. If you go to our website, it's Camille who, who speaks to you and I like this or I designed this piece. It's not we and, or it's not like non-personal at all. So we are trying to build this entire I universe around Camille. But at that point, um, Camille had grown the company to a few employees uh, and I could feel, you know, every time I was with her that, you know, she, 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 she wasn't passionate about being a leader or running the business. You know, she's really passionate about creating things with her fingers, being inspired, being creative. So I could feel like this, this, this tense feeling in her every time we spoke about it. Um, and at that point, I just stood up and said, hey, Camille, would you like me to come in and actually take responsibility uh, for the day to day operations so that you can go back and focus on what really like fuels your fire? Um, and at that point, we made a deal uh, and I went full time and, and, you know, haven't looked back since it's been it's been really cool of a journey. Yeah, it's been really it was really an important thing that happened right there. And for like maybe a half or maybe a whole year, I was like, I was just working and I couldn't feel like the same passion, passionate feeling that I, that I had when I started the company, but I was of course still really happy and stuff like that, but I couldn't celebrate uh, if we did something good and stuff like that, because it, it went really well. But then I, then I talked to Daniel and he, he said like, what if you don't just want to be the leader? And it hadn't like struck me before because of course I had to be the leader because the company is called my name and it's just the way it goes. And normally it is the way it goes, but I also had to think back, why did I start this company? So, um, yeah, so now it's actually, it's, it's so lovely to work with my brother. Um, yeah to have him like doing all that because he's so good at it. And I'm just good at being at the workbench like eight hours with my head, head down and just be working. So uh, that's perfect. <laughs> so when you guys were younger and kids, did it ever occur to you guys that you guys were very complimentary? At what point did you feel like, wow, like we could actually work together and create something great? I think when we were younger, I always followed Daniel. <laughs> when he did something, I said, me too, me too. We're really different because maybe I'm more like, I've always made creative things with my hand. I couldn't sit still. When we were watching a movie, I was always drawing or making like 
something, um, clothes or anything. I, I, I always make things. And Daniel was like maybe more of a computer nerd. <laughs> he was always uh, at his room playing computer. I guess it's, yeah, we're different, but we have always like, we really uh, went really well together. But how do you see it, Daniel? I don't think it wasn't the cards for us to do business at all, because I always saw Camille as more of like the crazy type and me more of like the controlled and geeky type. I've always had this philosophy that because I've been so much into the marketing side of it, like throughout all these years, I always had this feeling that if I can find like one person who's like super passionate, who likes to be in the front and who's like, who has this vision of something, just put me behind that person and I can build the whole thing that supports that. You know, I'm passionate about the process. So for me to find, have someone like my sister, who I've always, you know, been really well together with, who who has this passion about jewelry. I, I just think it's amazing and it's cool to be working together. It has its downsides too. When we're with our family, we constantly talk about business, uh, but, you know, it has its upsides as well, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, let's dig into that because I think we are curious to know how did you build the business initially and how did you start testing with different ads and on different social platforms to build up the sales that you have now? In the beginning, like Camilla said, it was just her, her and her Instagram doing influencers, doing like for like, follow for follow kind of stuff in the beginning, you know, hustling just to make sales. I, I was at a conference in the U.S., uh, digital marketer where this guy called Ryan Dice, uh, he had a talk. And the reason why I know this so much is because I found a photo three years later, I was doing a talk uh, at the largest e-commerce conference in Denmark about this thing that we've been building. And I found a photo and the photo said, write this down, but I took a photo three years early of it. And it said, the companies that are going to win in the future are the ones that are willing to invest in real one-to-one human-to-human interactions. But three years later, you know, in year four of Camille Brinch, it kind of struck me like that one sentence completely changed, you know, our lives or how we run businesses today, because what we set ourselves into was trying to build Camille Brinch as a super personal one-to-one universe. So what that means is that the Instagram is basically Camille's own story about the brand, right? It's, it's her in the workshop. It's how she styles the jewelry. It's how she wants people to mix and stack this jewelry to create their own expressions. But it also goes onto the website. Our vision is that it needs to feel like you're actually walking into a retail store and Camille is behind the desk, right? And to do that, you have to talk in I. So if you meet someone at the street, this person talks about themselves and says, I want you or I feel like that. So we, we speak that way on the website too. And some things that we've done, which are really cool, is that when Facebook Messenger opened up, this, this company called ManyChat, they opened up so that you could use Facebook Messenger sort of like a communications platform. And we jumped onto that immediately because suddenly there was a platform where you could speak to people one-to-one in a scalable way. So it was this what we talk about is this response, uh, response answer kind of communication, because on a website, it's always very static, right? If you go to Amazon, you can click a bunch of buttons and add things to your cart and then check out. You do all the work. The, the, the website never answers back. But if you go into our website, now that we're not using Facebook Messenger to do it, 
for example, on our um, size guide. It's not just a size guide where you click what sizes you want to wear. It's actually, so it opens up and Camille asks a question, is, is this for yourself or a gift for someone else? And you say, it's for myself. Then Camille replies on the screen, hey, what a great thing to buy for yourself. Do you know what size you have already? So we're trying to, to make these answers, response kind of things on the website. We have it in our card as well. Um, you can choose if, if you're buying something as a gift. Uh, so imagine you're in a store and you go up to the desk and you put this ring on the desk and you say, I want to buy this ring. Camille behind the desk has to ask, is it like, for a gift or is it for yourself? So we do this in the checkout and then you say, hey, it's for a gift. Then Camille asks, what date are you giving this gift? And then you can click what date you're giving the gift. And then Camille replies, hey, I just prolonged the exchange period 30 days from the day that you're giving the gift. I hope she'll enjoy the present. So we are trying to build these human interactions into the way that we do all of our marketing, how we build our website, how we think about it that way. And it all stems back from this one quote from Ryan Dice that I realized now three, four years later was like the tipping point. So that's more of like the, the way that we see things uh, in our universe. That's very cool. It's as if you've turned this sales funnel or this shopping experience into a very personal one that where it feels like you're interacting with Camille. I do want to ask because I think, you know, Camille mentioned in the beginning, she was doing things very scrappy. She was buying ounces of silver and then making the jewelry. But you were saying like you were very happy to go ahead and spend money on ads and invest. So what kind of tests did you do in the beginning that made you feel like, okay, I'm on the right path. I'm going to invest into more of this type of campaign versus other tests that you've done that didn't work out. So what were some of those beginning strategies that helped you to grow? So the funny thing was like, I come from a very performance minded background and, you know, I created a bunch of ads and I show them to Camille and she's like, hell no, this looks like shit. This is crappy. This is so unprofessional and like, no, no, we'll make a ton of sales. And he's, she's like, no, this is not my brand. This is my name. And you know, I, I, so I had to understand where this whole branding thing comes from. So what I, I, I've realized over the past few years is that there is a big difference from selling a product and building a brand. Because if you're just selling a product, you're always buying the purchase, right? You're doing campaigns to get people to buy your products. But if Facebook prices, they increase or people stop liking your product, you lose your business. But in, instead, if you're building a brand, you can you can hit beside on the designs for a few years. And then if you hit a home run once again, people will still buy your products because you, you, you're not killing your brand. Like you always brand is something that you'll build and it, it won't be taken away from you. I remember some testings because Daniel, he told me that we have to test split test on everything. So he told me, um, now we have to make this ad. You have to tell the customers, blah, blah, blah. But you have to uh, wear um, like four different uh, outfits and uh, say it four different times. Because then we have to see which performs best. So <laughs> imagine making 30 videos with like four different outfits. It's take a lot of time. <laughs> but... 
But now we have like learned a lot of it and we can see that, okay, if I do like this in the beginning of a video, if I say hi and like wave and if I wear colorful clothes, it will, it will work a lot better. And also like, yeah, videos that are example in selfie mode is actually also sometimes better because they don't look like ads. They don't look like I want to sell you something. To give you something concrete, one. <laughs> We, we, we do a lot of, uh, we did a lot of ads where Camille was speaking selfie mode into the camera uh, and that worked really well for us. Um, and then we did a lot of videos just showing the, let's say we want to like show some rings and a bracelet. We did a lot of, back then it was the boomerangs, you, you know, on Instagram, you can make a boomerang. We did a lot of those. So, but we always had in mind that it needed to look really good instead of just selling the product. If I should talk about like one strategy that completely probably set us on the, the, the map in Denmark, it's the way we run our Black Fridays. Camille has always been very hesitant about giving discounts um, because to her, giving discounts is a way to sell a product, right? It's not a way to build a brand. And if you start pushing discounts all the time, people only buy when they get a discount. So how do we translate that into a Black Friday? Um, so what we came up with was that instead of giving a discount, we run everything at full price, but because we are so personal and people are behind the scenes with Camille, she designs a limited edition a piece of jewelry that you'll only get on Black Friday and you'll only get it if you buy something else at full price. And this piece of jewelry, we have to, you know, make it as good as another piece of jewelry at a value of like a hundred dollars. So people are actually getting much higher value than a, let's say a 20% discount. Uh, and to us, it costs about the same. Um, but what happened was that when we did this the first year back in 17, um, we had 400 of these pieces of jewelry. Um, and we launched the website, the Black Friday. So we, we, we shut down the entire website with just a big timer. And you can only come in when the timer hits zero if you have a secret code, a secret password. And this password is only given to you if you are on our messenger list or on our text list. Uh, so you have to interact with us one-on-one -on -one to get this piece of uh, this code. And what happened back in, in 17 was that when we launched the website at seven o'clock in the evening, uh, on Thursday, uh, we sold out in seven minutes, 400 of these pieces. And we were like blown away. Like this was like one month's worth of, of sales in seven minutes. Uh, and we've just built on top of that for the last few years. And last year we did $600,000 in sales in 10 minutes. So that was, uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, thousands of orders in just 10 minutes. And we sold out, we had 5,500 uh, of these pieces last year uh, and we sold out within the hour. I get excited by that because I think, Camille, you really understand how we shop for jewelry because even myself, like when I hear that limited edition, exclusive access, that makes me want it more. It's the value of that weighs much more than a few percentage off the complete sale price. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to ask you, Camille, about expanding the team and actually allowing other uh, employees to be a part of the brand because, you know, you're so used to making everything yourself. How was that process of finding the right talents, letting go of some of the control and allowing some other people to help you make the pieces? 
Yeah, well, I take a deep breath because <laughs> it has been, yeah, it has been hard. Uh, also, because I did everything myself for the first two years. Um, so just to, yes, you have others in and make stuff for you. It was like, it was difficult. I, I knew I had to have some employees and I wanted to. I also wanted like badly to have someone to share all the like ups and downs with um but it was more difficult than i have ever thought i yeah because also when i start the process of having employees i was like okay where to start where should the employee work like what should the employee work with um and also i was just in my parents uh, backyard so i had to rent a place um, it's actually where we are having the office right now as well because it was really big when I rented it myself. <laughs> um, I think it had like six big rooms, so I was just all by myself in there. But Daniel has told me I had to rent a big room because, yeah, otherwise I had to move again. Yeah, but then I uh, hired first one and she was like, doing everything like me. She could also make jewelry. She could like talk to customers. So I just took her right in and she got all the informations. And here is something I actually haven't told anyone before because it has been like a really hard time for me also like to trust employees. Um, but after, after three months exactly, she called in sick and it was the 1st of December. So we have, we had really, we were really busy at that time. But she, um, yeah, she said that she was sick. But then I found out that she started her own jewelry company just two months before that. Camille Brand's jewelry is my baby. So it was just like, so now what do I, yeah, just go out and have a new employee? And what if she, he, does the same. It was really difficult. Um, but yeah, I had to like move forward. Um, the good thing about uh, Daniel and I parents is that they always taught us to taught us to like just move forward. So yeah, they, um, yeah, they had my back. They helped me like get through it. And then I hired some more people. And of course it went well. It was I think I had to check all the things they did. <laughs> so I was the annoying leader because I was like, oh, can I just see what you did before we send it? <laughs> because I had to, I, I want to have like fingers uh, on everything. And also, I guess that's why, like, I didn't feel that I, I was the perfect leader because I just think that some people are born maybe to be leaders and some aren't. And I think... I'm better at being creative. Um, so at that point, it was like so good that Daniel came in because he is really good at it. And also, I guess that I had all these imaginations of a perfect leader. I had like, I want to be the leader who comes in every morning, give high fives to everybody, just, you know, good energy and are like have the... Uh, energy to talk to everybody every day and remember what have they did, uh, d uh, done in their weekends and stuff like that and still be able to answer all their questions and solve all their problems and still be able to design and have my own like work but I couldn't be that leader and also I guess that 
I reached too high. But um, yeah, it's good that Daniel is the leader now. Because it has caused, I think it has caused some unnecessary stress for my, like for my own brain to have all these things I wanted to do. I want to do with everything. Yeah, no, there's a lot to unpack, but I do feel like, you know, you guys are both leading in different areas. And I think, yeah, there's no perfect solution to be like the quote unquote ideal leader is just, you know, you, you try your best, you try to be personable. And especially with your story, opening back up again, trusting different people, especially after what you've gone through. I think those are all qualities. That's great for whatever kind of leader you want to be. I do want to ask about the design process and also staying on top of trends. I think a lot of the times having a very eye-catching design is so important, especially for social media, especially for ads on digital platforms. So how do you stay inspired and also stay creative and come up with new designs? So I actually try not to think that much of to like get inspired the whole time because I find myself the most inspiring when I'm not thinking about to be inspired. So it's, it's a bit weird, but I think I have a brain which see a lot of things. So if, so all the time uh, I maybe see something that I don't think other people don't see it's it's sometimes difficult to explain where my ideas and inspiration came come from um but i I think that uh, I have always used Instagram a lot for inspiration uh, and Pinterest as well. It can be like uh, I see a couch uh, maybe a, a couch with its uh, like uh, like smooth surface. Maybe I can see like, okay, maybe I can put this service onto like this type of jewelry and maybe there I would need some more inspiration and I can go on Pinterest and find, okay, there are these types of rings or earrings or stuff like that. I think that, that ins- so, so me is, it's actually really important for me to, to stay tuned also to see what people like. But I think when I started and what I'm trying to hold on to is that to make something I want. Like uh, normally before I started making jewelry, I actually didn't wear that many jewelry because I'm more of a like boyish girl. I like uh, like big baggy pants and a sweatshirt and stuff like that. So I, I, I didn't thought there were that many much jewelry um, replying to that style. So I'm creating more chunky, raw, cool kind of jewelry, maybe with a more sporty vibe. Yeah, I just think I use myself as a reference. Maybe I use myself as a, like, would I wear this? And would, like, also our segment is young girls in my own age. I'm 26. I started when I was 21 years old. So I just use Instagram to see what does my segment like? Do they like this as well? Yeah. And I think I've always just followed my stomach feeling, the feeling I have in my stomach. What what I've learned, sometimes we just have to trust Camilla's stomach feeling because she has this kind of intuitive way to see things before they start getting popular. So like the first piece of jewelry Camille really designed was like this 
curb chain uh, ring, uh, the Panzer ring is what we call it. Um, and it wasn't popular at the time. It was this old hip hop chain that suddenly Camille high polished into like feminine kind of jewelry suddenly, but it just became immensely popular. And now you see it everywhere, all over the world. I'm sure we didn't inspire people in the US to start creating this type of jewelry, but it's just super popular now, but it wasn't five years ago. Um, so some of these things that Camille come up with, where some people would be like, nah, not my, not my type. But then one or two years later, you see people wearing this. So I've just learned to trust Camille's gut feeling. And if I don't like it, people are probably going to like it in a year or two. I truly believe that trends especially come so much from Europe and especially Scandinavia. I personally like did uh, an exchange in university and whatever I saw years ago, it's like it slowly makes its way to North America. I do want to ask about operating a site that is catered to the EU. There's different languages, different currency involved. How is everything set up and how do you basically make sure everything behind the scenes runs smoothly. So I could say that in one word, word lesser. So we have this guy as our head of e-commerce, you know, he, he, it was a guy I knew back from before Camille Brinch and I've been sort of planting seeds in his mind the whole time. And now, you know, he's been a part of the company for two years and he's just a, a genius behind the scenes. But right now we do have our Danish.dk site and we recently launched a .com site to just sort of test the waters, uh, running all English ads to all countries in EU um, to see which countries pick up on, on just our style without changing much. Um, and we are right now translating uh, into French, Germany and Swedish. Uh, and we are swapping warehouses now so that from a month from now, we can ship worldwide in one to two days, uh, all from Denmark. Um, and that's sort of the start of our, our globalization uh, um, the way we run it is obviously through Shopify Plus. Um, and because Lesse is such of a, a tech genius, uh, we have basically the way our front end is coded into our back end is basically everything runs through like Google Sheets. Um, so everything is, is placed at one, one place. So if we start having different languages, it all just goes into the same sheet and they all just automatically populate onto the websites. It's, it's French, German, and Swedish. Uh, and then we try to localize those languages um, through ads as well. So we'll keep having a global campaign running. US is obviously really potentially a big market for us that we will start selling to soon because we can ship to the East Coast in one day and the West Coast in two days. Um, and then we'll just start localizing whatever countries uh, that we might pick up that we see um, see some traction in. So. I did wanted to ask about data predicting sales against the gut feeling because uh, especially with rings, there is sizing involved and with your designs, there's different styles. So how much of the gut feeling do you rely on to say like this type of style, these sizing would do well versus using past data and projecting and seeing and hopefully understanding what you can expect of different sales? I mean, it's funny that you ask. So we are coming up soon with the largest collection that Camille has ever done. And obviously buying for the launch, it can, you know, we can waste a lot of money buying the wrong stock. And so what we did this time was that we, Camille invited, I think 10 or 15 people in for like a more qualitative uh, 
you know, just try and test to see what people liked. And then they ranked all of the new pieces from, you know, one to 10. Uh, or like what is in your top 10, what's in your top five and what's your favorite one. So we populated half of our purchase off of that. And then the second half of our purchase, we populated on past sales. So the way that Camille designs jewelry, it's very, it's always in like a small, medium and a large. And each of those come in 13 sizes. And this is where it gets complicated because one ring, one ring size differs one millimeter in circumference. And on one finger, you can fit at max two different sizes. So it's very complex to actually find the right finger ring. But because we've sold 50,000 rings in the past, we have a good overview of what sizes people are buying. And so we basically populated our purchase off of 50% qualitative data and 50% what has worked in the past. And then we auto populated it throughout what sizes people usually buy. Um, and this is our best bet for the launch of this new product. Um, but we are lucky that, so Camille's design DNA is that we don't do uh, quarterly uh, collections. We don't just design and throw out. Camille wants to design something she wants to wear for a long time and that we know that our customers are gonna wear for a long time. So even if we don't hit it just right, we'll still have this piece of jewelry in our, on our website in two years because we slowly build it into to the DNA of the website. Um, so not buying the correct stock is, is not really hurtful for us because we will sell it eventually. Gotcha. Are there any uh, Shopify apps or other apps or tools that have really helped you guys while you are scaling and growing? Obviously we're using Shopify flows um, to do a lot of the tagging on the orders. Uh, and then we are using this software called Integromat. It's it's, it's the same as Zapier. Uh, it's just much cooler and can do a lot more things. Uh, and we, we've basically built our entire backend on Integromat. Um, we, because at Camille Bringe, like Camille said, she's very perfectionistic. And, and that's why she, she can't leave what others do. And that's why she had to, to move a little bit outside of the office to let people do what they do. But, you know, we always work with the last five or 10%. That's what we are passionate about. A lot of companies, you know, they work with the 80% and that's good enough, but we really nerd into the last 20, 10%. So our return process uh, is actually not a Shopify app, uh, but we completely build it ourselves. And um, because we do have around 20% of all rings that are getting sent back for exchanging. And when you're selling, you know, 40,000 40, rings in a year, that's a lot of the rings coming back into the office for an exchange. And that's a lot of man hours just sitting there. Did, is this ring correct? Shipping a new ring, stuff like that. So we completely build our own automated uh, return system where you go into our website and you basically do the return yourself. You pick, the, you, you log into your order, you have this ring, you wanna exchange it into this piece of jewelry. And you're actually able to buy more pieces of jewelry in the exchange process. So we were actually making an upsell while people are exchanging. Um, and then the backend system does the whole thing by itself. Uh, so when we receive the orders, we just open the package, look at the iPad and are these pieces of jewelry in the box? Yes. And then it reships the order um, automatically. Um, so we've, we've cut that down from five minutes per order to 20 seconds per order, saving us like hundreds of hours. And, but that's not a Shopify app. I know you asked about a Shopify app, 
maybe one day we'll make it into a Shopify app. But right now we're keeping it uh, as our secret source. <laughs> no worries. No worries. One day you guys could also become an app partner. So what are some plans for the future? I know that growth has been exponential, but um, what else are you guys planning that you can share with us right now? So we are moving into a new office uh, 1st of October. You know, the, the, the place Camille uh, rented is just too small. Uh, so now we're moving into a 440 square meter uh, only uh, office space. Um, and because we last year, you know, we, we won the prize for Denmark's best new e-commerce uh, company. Uh, and this year we came second in best e-commerce company with less than 16 million in revenue. So we've, we've had a lot of noise around us. So we've been able to hire some really, really talented people who are starting in, in the next few months. Uh, so we are, we're really gearing up uh, on internally, internally right now. Um, and then we are starting our international global launch with the new warehouse so that we can ship one to two days worldwide. Uh, and then Camille is coming out with this huge new collection that, you know, I can't wait to show it to the world because it, you know, it, it's pretty damn good. And I have really huge uh, expectations of how it's going to go with this one. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more, if you can, Camille, about the new collection, maybe the dates or a little bit of the design, if you can. The new collection is something I've been working on for a lot of time now. So every, every piece I made by hand, um, it's called silicium. Um, in English, it's a silicon. Uh, it's from this uh, weird uh, kind of metal, which is not a metal and it's not a crystal. It was my inspiration. So it's like, it's really raw and organic. Um, and also the designs are like raw, organic. Of course, they tap into my design DNA. So they are still also, yeah, chunky, shiny um, and all this. And then, um, yeah, I just look so forward to like uh, launch this collection. August 31st yeah. is, is the launch date. So we have a huge yeah. period, like one month before we start hyping it, having these blurred images, having this huge... Like we want you to feel like you're a part of this. So, so the, the entire website gets inspired by this entire s Silicon universe for, for one month prior to the launch. Yeah. And I will make a lot of cool videos where I show all the jewelry. And I think also this time I have never done it before, but I think I will make a full video of me making one of the jewelry, one of the samples myself. Um, so I hope people would love to watch that. Um, yeah. I do wanted to ask because you guys happen to be direct to consumer and it just so happens that retail, everything was shut down because of COVID. So in a sense, like you guys were a bit COVID proof in that way, but has there been, you know, struggles that you had to deal with in the past year? So I know a lot of fashion brands, um, they saw huge growth spurt after COVID started. But we had to ask ourselves because Camille designs jewelry for people to wear and, you know, style and, and, and show off to people. And why would you buy expensive jewelry if you can't be with people? And so we, we took a, a spin on that and sort of doubled down on creating a story around people being able to express themselves with the jewelry, like diving even deeper into Camille's DNA 
and just doubled down. When people left the advertising platforms, we spent more. Um, so we grew uh, 70% last year, actually throughout COVID. Uh, it wasn't all profitable, but we were just out buying market shares in Denmark when this happened. And there were no real problems logistically at all. Um, so we went through this pretty pain-free. It was hard. It's tough. I think the last year has been extra tough mentally for everyone uh, and for us too. Uh, when the whole thing happened and Denmark shut down, me and Lesse were at a conference in Spain. So we flew home into like a, a, a vacation house for two weeks with our girlfriends. Uh, and that was just before like a big launch. And, you know, we were just working day and night to get this done. And, and those things are, are draining. Um, but it, it's been a crazy year. Uh, but we... Business-wise, we did really well, um, so no problems there. So retail-wise, uh, we are actually looking into going retail eventually, but in our own stores, um, because like I said, every ring has 13 sizes and more than 20% of all ring purchases do exchange. So rings are the things that are the hardest to buy, but we sell most rings. Uh, that's the, the category that we sell the most. So what that says is, what if we actually had a store where people could come in and try the jewelry? Uh, I don't, I don't see um, a shop as a bad thing for us retail-wise. We could create a completely new experience. Imagine coming into a store and getting the Camille Branch experience in real life, and also trying the jewelry uh, on. So probably within the next six months, we'll open a store uh, in Denmark and um, to try this out. And and I just see a store more of a marketing expense. Uh, than anything and I think we will see a huge uh, uh, growth spurt from coming from actually being uh, offline as well. Very exciting and I do think that's a beautiful addition to what you guys already have and I do see a lot of DDC brands opening their own retail stores as well. Well thank you Camille and Daniel for being here looking forward to all the new things coming down the line. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you for inviting us never in our wildest dreams you know have we ever thought that we would be here. Well, hopefully we can touch base future down the road, check in on your retail, check in on your international expansion. So yeah, amazing. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Shopify Masters. I'm Shuang, and if you enjoy Camille and Daniel's story of building Camille Grinch, please leave us a review on your listening platform so the show can be discovered by others. Until next time on Shopify Masters.